Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. We're looking at what it means to have open-handed worship. And this beautiful, beautiful poem in Philippians 2, talking about Jesus, the, the connotation, the emptying himself. He said he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped. And the reason that the, the ball in the jar and the monkey is a Christological idea and the, 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 the way we study Christ is that one of the one of the key ideas about Christ that is presented to us in scripture is that he's a second Adam and uh, you see that in like the first chapter of John how's the first chapter of John begin in the beginning in the beginning sorry <laughs> have you seen that video I shouldn't say it's it's, both, it's inappropriately funny and in the beginning in the beginning, it evokes us to right to that place of the beginning of Genesis. In the beginning was God. It says, in the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. It was with God in the beginning. And so he's right as the, the, the gospel writers are, are describing this Jesus to, her, to us. They're taking our minds right the way back to Genesis, where this moment happened where actually equality with God was something considered graspable. And as sin came into the world, it was about what man put their hand to. And so what is beautiful about the way that Jesus postures himself and models something to us is about this open-handedness. Now, the interesting connection between this idea of the, kind of the first and second Adam is this, is that, that um, sin is about grasping, and it's about actually grasping the wrong thing. Romans 3.23 says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It'd be very easy to make that about like a, um, a set of behaviors. I've done things wrong and therefore I've missed the mark and therefore I've, I, I, I'm out. Yeah? But beautifully, he's already queued it up in 123. It talks about how we've tra- traded, we've exchanged that glory, that being with him, that connection with him, that walking with him in the call of the day. We've exchanged it for Images of men, animals, and reptiles, just for stuff that we can make, stuff that we can put our hand to. And so sin, in essence, isn't necessarily I've done a bad thing. Sin is I have failed to recognize his worship. And I've been willing to trade him for all this other stuff. That's the fundamental heartbeat of sin is that we just don't recognize Jesus for who he is and we settle for anything else. Isn't that nuts? So beautifully, the reality is then the worship is the antithesis of sin. It's the absolute opposite behavior where we recognize his worship. Like, look at him. Look how beautiful he is. Look at this. Have wonder again around the person of Jesus Christ. And it's just taken an extract from that brilliant quote that we've been um, we've been looking at from Jared Boyd, which is there is nothing in this life of ours that is really worthy of grasping in onto. Yeah, because it's him. It's all about him. And so when we recognise his worship, we are drawn to him, and we become like him, and we get sent by him into the world. It's the discipleship piece again. It all comes back to that. So I want us to think about 
set of questions. I want to have a conversation now, which is around the whole idea of um, what it looks like for us to worship. What, when something is presented to me, how does it make me want to worship? And breaking that down a little bit, it's like, what does it say about him, about his identity, his personality, his character? What, is it, what does it say about who he is? And actually, what does it also say about who I am in him? Does that make sense? So what does it say about who he is? And what does it say about who I am in him? Um, I want us to look at some beauty. I want us to look at uh, some hardship. And I want us to look at sin. And look at how worship connects to all that kind of stuff. Is that cool? Okay. So the first thing, like, let's think about, let's go big picture then. Think about the universe. The universe is huge, right? It's ma- it's moosive, isn't it? It's absolutely wobber. It's gigantic. It's huge. Did you know that there are approximately one sextillion suns, that's like 24 zeros, in the known universe? I don't know who counted it. It wasn't me. Um, and out of, in all of that vastness, we're probably the only life. Yeah? But... It's, it's important to say that the absence of proof isn't proof of absence. There could be dudes out there. Whoa, I know, right? Who knows? But hey, um, certainly as far as we know, we're the only ones here. And out of those one sextillion sons, we have our son. And did you know that our son is so big that you can fit one million of our planet Earths into the sun? Just get your head around that. Just get your, try and put your head around that idea that the universe is absolutely gigantic. And yet through him, all things were made. And he holds all things in his hand. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? How does that make you want to worship? What does that say about who he is? I'm literally going to come and ask you. I don't know if I can get feedback on the mic. Who cares? Um, so come on then. Let's break out of this slightly awkward moment. It's going to be fine. Everyone's going to be all right. We can hold each other afterwards if we need to. What does it look like? How does that make you want to worship? Makes you want to worship forever. It's eternal. It's, it's big, isn't it? It's big and long. I'm awestruck. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's wow. It's, it's just bigger than we can comprehend, isn't it? Bigger than we can comprehend. Twenty-four zeros. I didn't even. I wouldn't even know how to. Anyway. Any more? How does that make you want to worship the vastness, the bigness of who He is, the eternalness of who He is? Because within His hand, if you hold all of those stars, is the space-time continuum. So the beginning and the end of all things are all in his hand. He's outside of that. He's super lengthy. Anyone else? Go on. Makes me feel super insignificant, but in a really like precious way, where I feel like my life like sometimes can feel mental. And if I think of myself as insignificant but surrounded by the significance of the creator God in that, that brings me a whole lot of comfort knowing that I don't know what's going on, but I'm trusting in someone who's got 
that many zeros after stars. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. We, it's good. That's where we're going. That's where we're going. Who said it was it Matthew? It was you. I mean, when I think about his loving kindness, the way he is to me, I just feel like worshiping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. His loving kindness. Um, it says it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness and his love that actually causes us to turn from that trade that we made of sin and actually turn to him and go like it's you that's the beauty and the virtue of him it comes it, it, it's a, it's evoked by that loving kindness it's kind of drawn out of that loving kindness um i want to pick out a little bit of like how did the psalmists respond to this and this is interesting with what you said barney uh, psalm 8 3 to 4 says when i consider your heavens the work of your fingers the moon and the stars which you have set in place what is mankind that you are mindful of them? And human beings that you care for them. Isn't that incredible? Does that make you want to worship? Isn't he, isn't he wonderful? Isn't his kindness so extravagant? This is, this is the God that we serve. This is the one who looks after us. There's so many things that we could look at in that space of beauty. Like creation. If you look at... Uh, there's a great picture that you can see really well on that screen. But it's the, <laughs> like, I just love being able to be somewhere that when I look with my eyes, I know that my eyes can't see the end of it. You know, get into those kind of places, like, normally there's like a red brick building, like a few yards away from where I am, or looking out the window. But it's like, I love going up to those high places, climbing like, like it's up Snowden or something like that, where you just get to look and keep looking, and your eyes just relax into the expansive landscape. And you look at the intricacy of creation, the beauty of creation. How does that make you want to worship? What does that say about who he is? The vastness of it, the detail of it. Isn't it incredible? Isn't it incredible? Um, our people. We're not Ibiza. We're not islands. That he has made us in such a way that we are designed for connection, for family, for friends. How does that make you want to worship? That his whole posture towards us is reflected even in our anthropology. That we're connect, designed and built for connection with one another. We're designed and built for connection with him. How does that make you want to worship? What does that say about him? What does that say about you? Accepting all people as Christ has accepted me. Yeah. We're in this together, aren't we? Again, it's not about us winning. We don't win at being human. <laughs> it's like, I'm the winner. <laughs> I'm the best. You know, like Toadie. It, it, Toad is, in, you know, in Mario, it's the ultimate narcissist. Um, <laughs> I'm only joking. It's good you guys. I'm the best, isn't he? In the, anyway. Um, there's like about three people who got that one there. Like geeks from the eighties who played Mario things. Um, think about rest. Think about the add need for sleep. Our need to pause for sustenance. That even he needed it. <laughs> he wanted it. That he pulled out that Sabbath day, that that moment of pause, and was like, I'm just gonna 
kick back, relax. I'm going to look at what I've done and go like, this was really good. <laughs> but he calls us into rest. He calls us into sleep and into being regenerated. But isn't it interesting that we need it? I, I, in, in my young years, I hated sleep. I just wanted to crack on and get on with stuff. Like, I, I was like, why, why should I go to sleep? I'm, like, I could do all kinds of things with my time other than sleep. Um, and Lucy's like the opposite. She's like, I love my bed. I love my duvet. And like, you'll, you'll, you'll lie down and she'll, she'll, she'll like, okay, night babe, night babe. And then like, literally, it's like a light's gone out. <laughs> Like that, and it'd be mid-sentence. When she was pregnant, it was even worse. She was like, she's barely like, she was still standing, and she yeah. feasting. That actually, he 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 enjoys it when we get to feast together. He enjoys it when we get to connect over food, or whether like festivaling and all that the gathered space, the party, the noise, the music, the connection. There's all kinds of stuff, cute things. Look at that stupid thing. I don't understand dogs at all. I think I just think anything that like is just going to leave its hair and expect you to pick up its poo. I'm like, what the chuff? Um, but hey, there's a, also a, a dog with a hat, which I thought was amazing. Look at that dude. I mean, I don't trust him. I think he wants to take over stuff. I don't know. Dogs are weird. Um, there's all kind of reasons that we can look around us at life, at, at how we've been made to be, that cause us to be in a place of like, I just want to worship you. I want to lean into you, Jesus, because you're the. You start to realize He's the center of it all. He's the instigator of it all. Try this one on for size. You know, it, on the basis that for me to exist, I needed my mom and dad to do stuff. Um, and then they needed their mums and dads to do stuff, and then they needed their mums and dads to do stuff. Stuff. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, through 12 generations over 400 years, it's taken the collective lives of 4,094 people to make it possible for you to exist. Just let that sink in. Over 12 generations, over 400 years, it's taken the collective lives of the joys, the sadness, the grief, the, uh, the achievements, the, 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 the loves and the losses of 4,094 people just so that you could exist. And he has been in and through every single one of those lives. Isn't that incredible? How does that make you want to worship? How does that make you want to worship? Do you think that he knows you? Do you think that you were intentional? Or do you think that you were just an accident or a product of the stuff? <laughs> or do you think he's been thinking about you for generations and has a plan for you that he's been excited about for generations? How does that make you want to worship? How does that make you want to lean into him, the author and the perfecter of your faith, the complete finisher of who you are? I'm going to change tack a little bit. 
how would this make you want to worship? How does this make you want to remember who he is and all that he's done? And who you are in him? All the people, all the Ukrainians, the Russians, all the people on the front line shedding blood. How would it make you want to worship? It's hard, isn't it? It's a weird concept. We're a little bit hedonistic and hardwired into worshipping when things are working out. Yeah? Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah, there's gold in the midst of it. There are stories about his intervening. Let's look at the psalmist. And, and it's, 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 it's put it into, into the real person perspective of somebody on the front line with war right there in front of them. It says this in Psalm 33, No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance despite all of its great strength. It cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him. And on those who hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. That's worship in the face of adversity. That's worship in the place of hardship, in the place of war. Isn't that incredible? There should be no situation that we can't immediately come to him to remember who he is and what he's done and to remember who we are in him. You think about poverty and people experiencing homelessness in our city, the reality of it, the weight of it, Every individual life. Sometimes these things feel so insurmountable. Again, we, we, we don't know how to step into it. But we've got some amazing stuff happening. Even like, I really want to encourage you to lean into Sustain Project um, and getting alongside people and creating and providing community for people who are experiencing homelessness. Cost of living increase. How does that make you want to worship? As you're looking at how your electricity bill is going to go up as you go into Asda and realize that a block of butter is now £2.50. How does it make you want to worship? Psalm 113 says, praise the Lord. <laughs> praise the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is exalted over all the nations, his glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God, who stoops down to look on the heavens and the earth? 
He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes, with the princes of his people. He settles the childless woman in her home as a happy mother of children. Praise the Lord. Worship is just far richer than we could ever imagine. The, the, the levels of it, the layers of it, the depth of it, to recognize who he is goes right in and through and beyond anything we could ever experience. Grief. Again, the psalmist responds that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And we've experienced grief in so many ways over the last few years. How beautiful that we can lean in and worship. How beautiful that we can lean in and experience his kindness, his faithfulness, his steadfastness, his comfort. Okay. So let's just finish by looking at sin. Um, it's an interesting concept, isn't it, to think about how, do we, how does sin make us want to worship? It's a bit of a weird concept, potentially. Um, but I love what we said before. It's like it's his loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Um, I just what I wanted to do is just to finish by looking at some essentially some pictures that the Bible give us in terms of like, like atonement pictures. Like how do we become one with Him again, even in our silliness um, and our brokenness. Um, and so I want us to look through a few pictures. And just, again, just talk together. Like how does this make me want to worship? What do I see about who He is in this, and what does it say about who I am in Him? Um, Bring this with me. So let's think about God as the shepherd who comes looking for us. That beautiful parable of the lost sheep. And he just comes, he goes, he leaves the 99 and keeps looking for us. He leaves the 99 and he came looking for you. How does that make you want to worship? I'm going to come up here in this corner here. This looks like a good corner. How does that make you want to worship that he left the 99 and he came looking for you? Specifically you. Yes. Um, I'd probably say like really grateful and with all my heart that he actually did that even though he didn't need to, but he decided to anyway. So I'd be like, wow. This might not be the answer you're looking for, but I feel like, in a way, I would want to, like how you're saying, avoid the situation. So now I feel ashamed about it. But then knowing that he doesn't even care in that way and he's just still there, I don't know, it still goes back to that gratefulness of like, wow, he actually just doesn't care. And I can just not be afraid or ashamed and just, I can just come to him willingly, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's amazing. Ooh, thank you. 
yeah, we can, like, I just think we, we, we bench ourselves so much, don't we? We bench ourselves so much. We put ourselves out. We, we, we relegate ourselves. And he's just like, what are you doing? Come, come here, because I've got the answer for this. I've got what you need. I've got the healing, the restoration. Let's think about um, that picture of God as the physician, the great physician. It's phenomenal that the early church, church father, the desert fathers, their whole idea of sin was that it was a disease. It wasn't necessarily this kind of, we have a very um, kind of reformist view of things because it was, you know, all the, ref, all the reformers pretty much were, were lawyers and so it was all in, in lawyer speak, which is totally fine. But here's a picture that really reflects something that was happening in the early, in the kind of the first centuries of the church of describing what's in. And what does it mean to you that he is the physician who has come to heal you? How does that make you want to worship? When sin feels like something like, it's just in me somehow, like a flu virus, and I don't know how to deal with it. How does that make you want to worship? Does it make you want to worship? That he's the physician who comes to heal you. That he's the judge who brings balance and rehabilitates us. Often people see God as the judge, meaning that therefore he punishes us. That's, the, that's this like judge, punishment. But judge does so much more than that, doesn't he? A judge brings balance, brings order, brings truth, brings, puts a light on the situation. He points people towards justice and re- rehabilitation. What does that mean? How does that make you want to worship? What about the idea and the picture that Jesus is a friend of sinners who welcomes us. He broke all the social norms, didn't he? The way that he treated people and honored people and welcomed people in that choose to eat with people that no one else would. How does that make you feel? What does that say about him? What does that say about you? That he's a king who builds a kingdom for us. He's sovereign. He's over and above all things. That he's the lamb who has given his life for us. And I love atonement pictures and all this kind of stuff. I think for me, I don't know if this is good theology or not. This is just kind of amusing maybe take it as amusing but all those ideas of shepherd physician judge friend king lamb for me they speak to a lot of what he does in regards to atonement whereas the final thing is really his heart which is that he's the father who comes running for us he just wants his kids back How does that make you want to worship? So as we go into a bit of a, a pause and some the band can come up and get ready. Worship is it's a journey. Worship is not a commodity. It's not something that you kind of can get. It's um it's not something you can finish either. That's why it's a silly thing like to say, Oh, you nailed worship. Like, like we never finish. We never finish. It's not something you can be good at or even bad at. It's not something you can win at or lose at. 
it is that simple thing of coming to him and recognizing who he is and what he's done. Knowing that we can do that because Jesus has made a way. I guess one this is maybe a key thing to take hold of is that worship is an entirely responsive thing. You know, because of his mercy we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. Open handed worship is about falling in love with him. Because close handed close handed worship looks like I need to earn something or get something from this experience. But I think Jesus described that kind of worship as like the whitewashed tombs. It looks great on the outside. I'm doing all the, I've got all the right postures. I've got all the right things going on. But actually inside is death. Because it's not about what it looks like. It's not about can I look like I'm this holy spiritual person. It's the relationship. It's the connection with him. I just want to take a minute just to show you just how easy worship is. Because it's super easy. Okay. Now just answer these questions together nice and loud. Is he good? Is he kind? Is he loving? Is he full and generous? Is he your savior? Are you sure? Is he your savior? Yeah. Is he the king of kings? Is he the Lord of lords? Is he the alpha and the omega? Is he the beginning and the end? Is he inside of time and outside of time? Is he a paradox? Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Um, on that basis, does he love you? Is he for you? Does he have a plan for you? Is he your healer? Is he your deliverer? Is he your counselor, your comforter? He is all these things. You nailed it. That's worship. That's how easy it is. And in every situation, we get to come to him. And adopt this posture of todar. Is this 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 is this is the landing? It's the this the open-handed worship. It's this Hebrew word that literally means to extend your hand in adoration and to choose to worship and to praise regardless of the circumstance. This is our open-handed worship that we bring the beauty, we bring the hardship, and we bring our sin. And we practice his presence. Little and often, a drop in the bath, as it were. Time and time again, every opportunity you have, come to him and say, I recognize you, Jesus, for you. I worship you today, even in the hardship, even in the pain, even when there's wars going on and there's people trying to charge me £2.50 for my butter. You are good. So what I want us to do is if you want to bring any of your stuff to him, if you want to come with your adoration that comes from recognizing his beauty and all that he is and all that he's done, if you want to come with brokenness and the weight of something that you're carrying, it might be an illness, whatever it is, if you want to come with sin and lay it down at the foot of the cross again, let's just fill this space. And we're going to wait and then we're going to worship and just we're going to see what God's saying and doing. Is that okay? Is that okay? So I just want to just let's get on it. So if you want to bring your worship to Him right now, 
not to win it, not to kind of nail it, but just to the next step up the mountain. Let's do that now together. Hope you enjoyed today's message. If you want to find out more, head to our website, findlife.co.uk, or follow us on Instagram. God bless, and see you soon.